The best teacher I ever had in my life, in my education, was my eighth grade teacher. She was amazing. She could explain things, and she was consistent the whole day in every subject. She could take the most difficult things and say it in a way that made sense to me and, and were substantial. But she was mean. She was tough. She was scary. Um, I remember many things that she said and did, but there were two things that were my favorite that they even put a smile on my face then, but I didn't show it. Uh, uh, she really intimidated me and everybody. But uh, she was the same sisters that were here, the Sisters of Charity, and she wore her length, uh, lengthy habit all the way to the ground and, and a rosary around her uh, waist, and then that dangled way down. But we were on the second floor, and we were to eat lunch in silence, or pretty much silence, and then go out to have recreation. And there were 50 to 60 kids in the classroom. How many teachers are here in this room? How many? Okay. Uh, now, if you have 30, it's, oh, way too many. Stop. You can't have more than 20. It's, it's, it's just, there are 50 to 60 kids in those classrooms. So I guess you had to rule with an iron hand, or at least that was the thinking of the day. So on one occasion, she came up, and she'd always hold her rosary so it wouldn't clack, clang, clang when she'd come up the stairs, and we'd hear her, you know, and then suddenly change. And she walked in, whipped around the corner, and, um, you know, we were talking quietly, but Andy, I won't say his last name, was really talking. And this is what she did. She whipped around the corner, and the moment we all saw her, we just froze. But Andy didn't see her, so he's not... And all of a sudden, he notices how quiet it is. So he turns and looks, and there she is, Sister Mary. I won't say the rest of her name. And she goes like this. Mr. Andy, if I come down that aisle, I'm going to rearrange your jawbone. I would have wet my pants, but I was an eighth grader, so I, I somehow managed not to. But she was something. She was, she was not a heavy woman, but a big woman, and piercing eyes. And um, on another occasion, same thing, she came up and whipped around the corner, and there was Andy sword fighting with his ruler. He was always the clown. And so, uh, again, he noticed it got very quiet, and he turned and looked. There was Sister Mary, won't say the rest of her name. And she goes like this. Mr. Andy, if I come down that aisle, I'm going to wrap that ruler around your neck. Oh, she was something. Now, in contrast to that, I went to my first parish 12 years later after I was ordained, and um, I met this woman. She didn't have any kids, but she had five adopted children that she got when they were babies. And um, she later became a psychologist. She was an amazing woman. And she used to do some things, and she told me two that really stuck with me um, because this was her way of parenting. It was a little manipulative, but that's all right. She manipulated with love. And she said that when she would come to school to pick up the kids sometimes and, and when everything would be right, she'd remember this, they'd come toward the door of the car and she'd turn the radio on. It was off. She'd turn it on. And then when they opened the door, she says, oh, you're here. Let me turn the music off so I can hear about your day. Quick. Hmm. Or the other one was she had a phone on the wall in the kitchen, typical a lot of homes, and 
She saw her kids come in the back door. She'd go over, pick up the phone. Nobody's on it, but she'd say, oh, yeah, Gloria. Oh, yeah, that's so wonderful. Oh, Gloria, I'm going to have to go. One of my children just came in. I have to find out about their day. Goodbye, Gloria. Talk to you later. No Gloria on the phone. Now, it's a bit manipulative, but so was the nun. She manipulated, manipulated with power and force and fear, and it worked. The other one manipulated with love, and it worked also. Now, I think part of it was the day. That's where we were. Even as societies, we can grow and mature. Now, if that nun did that, she'd be arrested. But in those days, it was done. But we've changed. We have come to believe that that's not the way to instruct a child. It's abusive. It's abusive. Today, these scriptures speak about love. And they're just amazing words in this letter to the Corinthians. It's kind of like a litany of what love is and what it isn't. But you know, it connects beautifully to another passage way at the end of the Bible, the first letter of John. And John says, kind of in a way of definition, God is love. And he goes on and says, he, it could be she, but he who lives in love lives in God and God in him. And then he wraps it up by saying, wherever there is love, there is God. In this letter to the Corinthians, after giving this whole litany about love, he says this, he says, uh, there are three great gifts out there, virtues, but the greatest of them is love. And he says, if you give everything you have, every possession you have away so that you can give to the poor, but don't have love, you gain nothing, you have nothing. And I really think this is what the Word of God is trying to teach us, that God is love. Now, a lot of people I know never got the message, and I don't know why. I guess it's where the church was, too. We, we used to teach, uh, at least when I was a kid, it was all about obligation and follow the rules, and if you didn't, you, you'd upset God, and he'd punish you. We got, we, most of us got that message. That's not what the Word says. God is love. I love that in, the, in Spanish they say, God is bondadoso, misericordioso, amoroso, to like love to the max. No conditions, no, no limitations on God's love. God is love. He doesn't love, he is love. And so when we love, we really have the presence of God alive in us. But you know, um, a lot of people never got that message. Sometimes I hear it in confession, and I want to shake them and say, don't you get it? God is love. Got to let that love in. And when we do, it changes everything. Changes everything. Now, in the first reading, we hear from Jeremiah, and this is one of the most intimate passages I can think of in the Bible, where uh, it says that Jeremiah, the, the, the word of God came to him like this. It, it came into him, and he just knew this. He heard God speaking, not with his ears, but kind of with his inner, the inner ears. He heard God saying, Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. I anointed you. And Jeremiah heard this loving message, a call to him. So 
So I asked at the beginning of the Mass for the introduction, beautifully read, thank you. said, have you ever heard God's voice in you? Does God ever speak to you? Have you ever heard God say to you, I love you, before you were even, before you were conceived or formed in your mother's womb, I knew you, I loved you. And if we hear that voice, what should that do to us, to, to believe that our God loves us no matter what? And you see, God isn't fickle like people are. I really believe God loves us no matter what all the time, loves us in our sin, loves us when we turn away from him. God just loves because that's, that's who God is. He's not fickle. He doesn't change. Proof of it is right there in front of us. After all that happened to him, spit on him and stripped him and beat him and slapped him and shoved a crown of thorns in his head to make fun of him, a crown, ha-ha, of thorns deep into his head, made him carry the cross, put him on the cross, nailed him to it. He's dying. They're mocking him. And he says, Father, forgive them all. They know not what they do. Boy, if we don't get it there, we won't get it anywhere. God is not fickle. We are. And we hear it in the gospel today. Uh, last week's gospel ended with the same passage that it begins with this week. He was in the synagogue. He read from the scroll a messianic uh, message about how the promises of God would come and, and the blind would see, the, the deaf would hear, the paralyzed would walk. And, and he spoke on this and he said, as he said at the beginning of this gospel today, today this passage is fulfilled in me. And they were amazed. They listened to his words. They were amazed. They loved everything he said. But because people are fickle and they can change in an instant, it says right after that, some of them said, oh, but wait a minute. Wait. Don't we know him? He's Joseph's son. He's from Nazareth. We know him. And Jesus knew exactly where they were going. So he nailed them. And he said to them, you know, there's an old saying, a prophet is known everywhere except from his own native place. They don't know him. And then to make the point even more, and he really nailed them, he said to them, you know, there were these three and a half years where there was a famine in Israel. And Elijah, he didn't go to any of them. None of the widows there got his help. He went to the Gentiles. Same thing. There were lepers and uh, did the prophet go to them to heal them? Went to Naaman, the Syrian, a Gentile. They, fickled as they were, were furious. They just had said five minutes before, oh, isn't he amazing? Oh, listen to those words. We just love what he has to say. He's, he's the best. And now they were furious. They grabbed him on to throw him over a cliff, headlong, on his head to make sure they killed him. But he walked away from their midst. Fickle, fickle. All the more in our fickleness do we need to hear this message of love of God. And, and we've got to hear it like from the depths of our heart. Yeah, we're all sinners. We all make mistakes. We're all petty. We all do silly things. Uh, you know, maybe we don't rearrange somebody's jawbone, but sometimes would like to. But not so with God. He's not fickle. He just loves us no matter what, even when we're like that, even when we're fickle. Today, we are given the gift of this Word of God because we hear that He is love. 
And of all the virtues that are out there, this one, love, is the most excellent.